Welcome to the gathering at Adel. We're so glad that you're able to join us today. We're going to be looking at Psalm 23. It's titled, The Good Shepherd. We're going to be in Psalm 23. By far, most famous, most popular psalm there is. If you've walked with the Lord, if you've been in church for at least a couple of weeks, you've probably heard it three or four times, you know, like I think if you've been to a funeral, you're probably going to hear it. Uh, really, really popular psalm because it shows that he's worthy of our trust and he comforts us in our times of need. And so we're going to read with, uh, if you want to read with me, we're going to read Psalm 23. It's going to be up on the screens if you didn't bring your Bible. Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. It's a psalm of David and it's meant to show us that God is good, that he's faithful, and that he's worthy of our trust. It's comforting psalm, but yet it also confronts this mentality that us as Americans, Texans, and, and even go more so men have where it's, I'm going to do it my way. I don't need anybody's help. Get out of my way. Let me do it. Right? Your, your husbands probably have said that or at least thought that. And man, in America and in Texas, that is what we're about. Just get out of my way. Let me do it. And th- this is a comforting psalm. In times of need, but yet it also confronts that idea because it says the Lord is my shepherd. We have to come to that point where we are okay with it not being our way. We want to treat the church like it's Burger King. You don't get to have it your way, man. You don't get to pick and choose. And there's, there's something about this mindset where we have to come back to and go, I'm not in charge. And that's extremely hard to say because we like to be in charge. We like to be the ones that make our decisions. We, we choose where we want to eat, where we're going to live, how we're going to raise our family, and it's my way or the highway, right? And we have to get to this point where we're willing to be sheep led by a good shepherd, It emphasizes the point, Psalm 23, that that he is a good shepherd and we are his sheep. That we have to die to ourselves and submit to his leadership. I I don't know if if you get our text, great. Then you had a little bit of a heads up on what we're going to be studying. If you don't, there's a connect card probably in front of you or at the information table. But uh, it just kind of gives you a little heads up of what we're going to be studying and talking about throughout the week. And so... Uh, you got that, and I said, hey, we're going through Psalm 23. I don't know if you picked up on this, but listen listen to this. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path. Throughout this psalm, six verses, there are 18 uses of personal pronouns. David's not saying he is a shepherd or he is one of them or he, he's their shepherd. He's saying he is my shepherd. I have what I need or I shall not be in lack. There's this closeness that we have to come to the realization. David is not writing this as theory or doctrine or man, like this is best case scenario. David is saying, this is my life. I'm writing you the psalm and I'm saying he is my shepherd. I shall not want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I, I think so many times that we pass the buck off to somebody else and, and we're so busy living or, or learning from what they learn that we're not submitting to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That, that we're not surrendering our lives to the Father because we're living it through someone else. Through our wife, through our husband, through the TV preacher, through Facebook, through messages on Facebook. Like, he is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. It is a personal relationship with God. You will never get to be one of his sheep if it's not personal with you. And we've pushed that off for so long where we would rather somebody else go and do it instead of us submit to his leadership. Not only that, but it shows that he wants to be with us. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to lead you and guide you. Any shepherd that you choose to follow other than the good shepherd is a thief that cannot satisfy the longings of your heart. Any other shepherd that you choose to follow is a thief and cannot satisfy the longings of your heart. Jesus talks about it. That Psalm 23 is not necessarily like talking about the Messiah, the, the, a prophecy about the upcoming Messiah. But, but in John 10, Jesus talks about how he is the good shepherd. He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep will follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, I, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. 
This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd, he feeds, he leads, and he protects. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The good shepherd feeds. It it doesn't mean literally. The, The shepherd's job is not to hand feed the sheep. But he's to lead them to the pastures where there is food. Uh, the, the sheep are, it, it's humbling being compared to sheep. And we probably have heard this, you know, the, the comparison that sheep are not the brightest animal there. And, and yes, that's who we are referred to. And I'm sure he didn't have any of us in mind when he wrote that. It was probably those other people in the churches that we prayed for, you know. <laughs> but... But a sheep will continue to eat the grass even when it's not even beneficial anymore. It it will begin to uproot it and and destroy it. And so the shepherd has to lead it to places where the food is right. So there's there's a trust that the sheep have to have with the shepherd. The shepherd places them in a place to be fed. Something that we've talked about a lot is the prodigal son and how the prodigal son noticed that he he was in lack, but yet his father's employees had more than enough. And, and Brady, our associate pastor, made, made the statement that, that when, we, when we are away from the father, we starve. It's that same picture of the vine and the branches. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do no good thing. The the vine is the source of life for the branches. The shepherd leads the sheep to food. Apart from the father, we we starve. When we go and try to find food in other places, we starve ourselves to death. It says that the good shepherd feeds, but the thief kills. The good shepherd will take you to a place where you can be fed. The enemy will lead you to a place that leads to death and destruction. The enemy will feed you sin, lust, pride, power, addiction. And it will fill your belly, but it will not satisfy your soul. Because the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. They do not satisfy the longings of our hearts. They please the flesh, but they starve the soul. The flesh causes us to lose our appetite for the things that the Lord has for us. Have you ever noticed that that in your times where you're not hungry for the Lord, you're feeding yourself on something else? It's not like you're just like, oh, I'm just not hungry. No, there's a reason that you're not hungry. Because you've been feeding yourself something else. Jeff Hopkins has been feeding himself something else when I don't hunger after the Lord. And whether it's, man, service was really good. People were here. For some reason, y'all keep coming back. I can feed that to me. And then Monday morning, I can slack off with my time of the Lord because I'll be feeding myself on the praises of people 
instead of the Father? Why do we not hunger after the things of the Lord? Because we fill ourselves with pride, with money, with possession, with toys, with all the good things that the world says that we're supposed to have. And that all of a sudden we become not hungry for the things of the Lord anymore. If you want to become hungry for the things of the Lord, starve your flesh. You want to, you want to become hungry for the Lord? Say no to the flesh. Romans 8, 12, and 13, he says, if you live according to the, to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, you will live. When we feed our flesh, it might feel good for moments, but it actually leads to death. When we feed our spirit, it might not feel pleasurable, but it always leads to life. To say yes to our flesh means to say no to our spirit. To say yes to our flesh means to say yes to death. When you give in to the fleshly desires that, that, that your physical body craves, you're killing yourself. And then you wonder why you're in a position in lack. You're like, Lord, why am I here? What, what have you done? And he said, what have you satisfied your belly with? You can either fill your belly or satisfy your soul, but you can't do both. Lauren, my wife, made a, made a joke on Facebook. It really wasn't a joke. It's the truth. But uh, she said, I'm, I'm scared to send Jeff to the grocery store. This was during the ice storm. <laughs> because instead of cauliflower, he may return with Twinkies. And it's so true. Why? Why do our bodies not hunger for the things that are actually good for us? Because we fill them with things that are not good for us. Our bellies are full, but yet our souls are still just in the same state that they are. We, we, we in America are dying because we overeat. And there are, every other country around the world is dying because there's a lack of food. We have no problem satisfying our bellies. But yet, why is the church in America failing? Even though our bellies are full, it's because our, our souls are being starved. Come on. So good. You, you know how many churches shut down every day? You would be surprised at the number. I, I can tell you there, there are 4,500 Protestant churches one denomination, 4,500 Protestant uh, churches will close down this year. That's over 10 a day, e even with Common Core math. Like, that's still the same, like, still the same answer. 10 a day will close, but yet we are dying because we're overeating. We, we, we have more wealth than you can imagine. But yet our souls are still in the same state where we need the Father. Like, like we have more wealth, we have more food, we have more of everything than everybody else. And yet we are dying. The, 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 the greatest revivals in history, the greatest revivals that are happening right now are not happening inside of the United States. The fastest growing church 
is not Joel Osteen. I know that's what your Facebook tells you, right? Joel Osteen, he's horrible. Look at how many people he has. No, that's not the fastest growing church. Bethel is not the fastest growing church. The fastest growing church is in India. It's in China. It's in Afghanistan. It's in the midst of persecution and trials. It's not where they have a lot. But yet it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in lack. Everything that you need, the Lord has for you. Because a good shepherd feeds his sheep. We fill our lives with all the toys. Can I, can I just like get like in the nitty gritty right now? We want all of the things that everybody else has. But yet it's killing us. We, we, want, we want the boats, and we want the, the, the ATVs, and the side-by-sides, and, and we want all of those things. We want, the, we want the cabin up in Colorado. Lord, you know that I do, and I confess that. That's uh, sin, because it's not what he has for me. But like we want all of those things. But what it actually does is it kills us. Th- think of, think of the, the time and the money that we spend on those things. And I know some of them are necessary. And I'm not against possessions. I'm not against wealth. I'm not against any of that stuff. But I'm just saying, think of the money that we spend on those things. That now we become slaves to those things. Well, I have this boat. And if I don't, if I don't use it every couple of weeks, you know, twice a month, then it's just going to sit there. And that's a waste. And, and I, I work Monday through Saturday. So the only day I can go is Sunday. Or man, I, I would love to give to that ministry, but I, I just can't. No, that's because you have a $100,000 boat sitting in your driveway. These things that we want, we feed our souls with so that we can be, so that we can seem to other people like we're successful. But they're actually the things that are killing us. They, they take us away from the Father They take us away from being able to love others like the early church did. I mean, like like the church now in America is all about prosperity. But yet the early church in Acts 2.42, it says that they met together daily. And they sold and gave away all of their possessions so that nobody was in need. That is the opposite of the gospel that, that we're getting. Because we're being fed so that our bellies can be full. Not to satisfy our souls. Saying no to some of those things is very valuable. They feed your flesh, but yet they lead to death. He feeds his sheep. He's a good shepherd. I shall not lack. God doesn't give you everything you want. You know why? He's a good father. And you say, but no, no, but man, if I had this, if I, if I just had this, Lord, I, I, would, I would serve you more. If I just had a million dollars, just think how I could impact the kingdom. And we pray and we're like, man, I, I don't know. I, I really felt like he was going to give it to me because I, I had the faith and I prayed and I desired it and it was good and I was going to use it for the Lord. But he doesn't give you everything you want because he's a good father. I don't give my kids everything they want because I'm a good father. And they can want it and they're all out. They're all serving in the child care today or they're in the child care today. And so I can talk about them. 
But just because they want it, they asked for it earnestly, they desired it, they prayed for it, it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do to give it everything they want to them. Because that's what a good father does. But a good father makes sure that there's no lack. Submitting to the good shepherd means that I will never be in lack. Therefore, I will not go and try and find food on my own. That's what it means to submit to the good shepherd. He feeds his sheep. He leads them to places where the food is. And it means that I will not go and try to find it myself. If, if you say that, I don't need this. You're, you're not just the shepherd, you're the good shepherd. And I'm going to trust you. If you're telling me, man, Jeff, I, I don't want you to have that cabin in Colorado. I can say, Father, I trust you. Man, whatever it is, I know that you have wants and desires. And you can grow frustrated and angry with the Lord. Like, but Lord, why not this? Why not that? I, I want that. I desire it. I, I've been good. I've served you all my days. But the good father knows what's, or the good shepherd knows what's good for his sheep. There's always plenty at the Lord's table. One testimony from, from this week. Uh, before all the ice hit, my wife went to Costco, and uh, the the basketball bin. Uh, one of our kiddos plays basketball in Strawn, and so they they feed the varsity basketball team uh, on home game days. So whenever they have a home game, they feed them uh, lunch. And so Lauren was going to Costco to buy pork chops to uh, feed them. That is, feeds them really well. I say give them some sandwiches. They're okay. They're young. They'll get over it. But she was like, so she went to Costco on a Saturday night. And uh, she was getting pork chops, and she was looking there. My wife is very frugal, and she, she grabs the pork chops, and she sees a package of, of corn on the cob, and she's like, man, they would really like corn on the cob, too, and, you know. And she's like, but it's eight bucks. I'm not spending eight, eight more dollars. I've already got pork chops. That's better than anybody else has done. Whatever. She didn't really say that. I'm adding that because it is better than what anyone else has done. So she's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spending eight more dollars on these kids. It's pork, it's pork chops. They'll be fine. And uh, so she checks out, is loading up in the car, and uh, I, think, I think Hattie went with her, and uh, Hattie was pushing the cart back into the uh, cart return, because that is what all good people are supposed to do, right? Push it back into the cart return. And a lady came up to her and said, hey, uh, w- would your family want these? We, we, we can't, my daughter put it in the cart, we don't even eat corn on the cob. <laughs> She's like, we don't even need it. And it's like... So Hattie's like, sure. She didn't even know Lauren went through this whole mental process of like $8. Why, why am I freaking out over $8, you know? And, but is that not just, the Lord is good. He knows what we need. There is no lack. Now, now don't, don't walk away from here like, man, that happens to Jeff every day. It does not. It does not. But if you want to follow me to the store and make it happen every day, you're free to do that. But like, it's just a sweet thing from the Lord that's like, when Lauren felt obedient to go, that's eight bucks that we don't really need to spend. And the Lord's like, no, it's okay. And it wasn't even for us. The good news was, uh, before you amen that, ice week happened. We got pork chops and corn on the cob. This guy did. So the Lord is good. So anyways, I, I benefited from that. 
The good, the good shepherd feeds and he leads. The Lord always leads from the front. And I know you're probably thinking in your head, but wait a minute, what about? The Lord will lead you, but he's out in front of you. The Lord will never, the good shepherd will never take you to a place that he's not there. He will not say, hey, I want you to go to this new job, even though you don't know it, and I'm going to abandon you. I want you to sell all your possessions and move to a country and be a missionary, but you're going to have to do it on your own. I, I, I don't want you to have, I want you to go and try to make this relationship right, but you're going to have to do it on your own. The Lord always leads from the front. I mean, you remember the Israelites, he leads them out. And it says that the Lord went before them. He led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But it was out in front of them. He didn't lead them from behind. I think so many times we think that. Like, oh man, the Lord's just taking us there. But he is the good shepherd. He will always lead from the front. Even in John chapter 10, what we just read, he says he goes into the sheep pen. He calls them all by name. And he goes, I go out before them. And I lead them. I go out before them. Even in that moment, he leads from the front. He will never send you to a place that he's not already there. That's a huge part. There was a group of people touring in Israel. And the tour guide was telling them about how a shepherd leads from the front. And they're like, man, that's so weird. We've always heard that a good leader leads from the back of the pack. And he said... No, the, the shepherd leads from the front because that's where the sheep know where to go. They hear his voice. They follow him. He can get to the attack before the attack gets to the sheep. And, and almost like instantly, they're, they're on their little tour bus and they see a herd of sheep and there's someone behind them leading them. And they're like, what in the world? You just said, they, they literally called him out. They're like, you just said they only lead them from the front. So he stops the tour bus. He goes out. He talks to the guy. He's like, he's like, okay, we're going to figure this thing out. He comes back onto the bus, and they're like, well, what is it? They said, that's not the shepherd. That's the butcher. But is there not a spiritual truth that the Lord will only send you to a place that he's already been? But the butcher, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will push you onto paths. That lead to death and destruction. So good. So good. The good shepherd leads us. The thief plans to kill us. Submitting to the good shepherd means that I will follow him wherever he may go. There is safety in stepping in the footprints of Jesus. The number one reason that of death of hikers is they get off the path. The number one reason that hikers die, they get off the path. Above being prepared, knowing the route well, all of, none of that matters. Because if you, get off of the, if you get off of the path, you can't be prepared enough. But there is safety in walking in the footprints of Jesus. And so what I'm telling you today is that when we submit to the leadership of the good shepherd, he's never going to call you to a place 
that he's not there with you. And so if he's calling you to something, know that he's there with you. The good shepherd feeds, he leads, and he protects. If we're not careful, when I say that word that the good shepherd protects, then we go to all of the ways and all of the people that have been hurt. We say, if he protects, then why did my grandfather get cancer? If he protects, then why did this person die in a car wreck? If he protects, if he is the good shepherd, he protects because it says that the good shepherd lays down his life. The hired hand runs away when there's trouble. But the good shepherd lays down his life. We want to try to form a thought process on, well, if he protects, and and one of the number one searches on Google is, why do bad things happen to good people? And you say, if he protects, then why do bad things happen to people? Can, Can I help you in this and say, you're thinking about it all the wrong way. You're thinking naturally and temporarily, temporarily, not eternally. When we hear the word protect, we think of our physical body because our number one will is to live. So when you say he protects and you're like, but what about this, what about this, and what about this? Look at all these examples of where he didn't protect because we're concerned about our physical body way too much. I mean, the good shepherd lays down his life. How, how does he protect us? Because he gave up his life for us so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. He gave up his life for us. He protects us. One, he protects us from the wrath of God. Because of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, it says that the wrath of God has now been satisfied. So he protects us by his body and his blood. We no longer have to know what the wrath of God is. And you're like, Some of y'all, that doesn't make you as happy as knowing that you're not going to get cancer. Because because that seems so far and distant. But cancer seems so real. But he protects us because he protects us from the wrath of God. The word says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, 55, 56, 57, 58. It's like, but death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? So Jesus protects us because he took away the sting of death. He took away the penalty of sin. So you are protected. It might not be in a way that you want because you would rather live on this life, on this earth as long as you can. But that means even if you die, even if I were to walk out of here today and die on my way home, I would still say that the Lord protects me because It no longer is a bad thing to die. Before Christ to die would mean hell. But after Christ to die means that I get to spend eternity with him. What better thing is there? And to be concerned about my family. You'd be like, but isn't that irresponsible? Well, then that means that I fooled myself to think that I'm the good shepherd. That I'm the one that feeds, leads, and protects them. Because if, if it's his right plan for me to be with him today, 
then he's got a plan to lead, feed, and protect them better than I could ever do it anyways. He protects us. We, we think free from harm and trials and, and tough times, sickness and disease. And the truth is we live in a fallen and broken world. He didn't promise freedom from those things. If anything, he said, hey, because of me, you're going to experience some tough times. The world is going to hate you. You're going to be persecuted because of my name's sake. He said, hey, take heart. If the world hates you, don't worry. They hated me first. That's why Paul writes, or James, he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials and temptations in this world. How can you consider it pure joy? Because I'm not concerned about what happens on this earth. I'm only concerned about what happens for eternity. We, we concern ourselves so much with the 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we have on this earth. And we're willing to forfeit eternity to have a good life here. In that 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58, death is swallowed up. Death, where is your sting? We have victory in Christ Jesus. And it says, because of that, we can stand steadfast and immovable. Because of his protection, because of death, where is your sting? Sting, And sin is swallowed up. We can be steadfast and immovable. There, there's an old Tom and Jerry cartoon. And uh, if you remember, there's a dog, uh, Spike lives in the yard, right? Well, Spike at some point, I don't know how, but Spike ends up with a, uh, with a son, a little puppy, and his name is Tyke. Y'all, y'all remember Spike and Tyke? Yep, Spike and Tyke. Well, one time, uh, Jerry is, is coming up against Tyke and uh, fighting him, but, but not really fighting him, threatening him, and, and Spike takes care of it. But, but Tyke is standing there the whole time just yipping and barking, and he doesn't realize that Spike is behind him. Yeah. And Jerry is not afraid of Tyke. He's afraid of Spike. Yeah. And it says, because of this, we can be steadfast and immovable. Because of this, we are Tyke. We are steadfast and immovable because Spike is behind us. We have protection. Jesus says in Revelation, you know, he's like, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I, I was once dead, but now I'm alive. And I hold the keys to Hades and to death. He protects us because now we are free from the wrath of God and free from an eternity separated from the presence of God. Submitting to the good shepherd means to trust in his plans and his purposes for you even at the site of trials. And we're going to end with this right here, practical application. This is for you to go home tonight. Sit down and go, okay, Lord, do I trust you? Is there anyone or anything else that you are seeking to be fed from? Do you find value and purpose in your job instead of him? Do you find value and purpose in your possessions instead of him? Do you allow your flesh to rule over you? Are you feeding your flesh and starving your soul? 
Will you commit to trust the Lord to lead you and guide you? Are you willing to walk in his footprints? Is there any area that you're not trusting him to lead you? That, that, that you are willing to hold on to it for yourself? Even if that means going off of the beaten path, as long as you can do it your way. Is there any area of your life that needs to be surrendered to him? And the last one, can you trust him to protect you? Can you allow the things that happen in this world, can you allow yourself to see them from an eternal perspective?